What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Mind Over Macros podcast. As always, I am your host, Mike Milner. Today, we've got a fire Q&A episode, some great questions on the docket. So I am excited to jump in and answer these questions. But first, I have to let you know that there's a big announcement coming. Next episode, I'm going to make a big announcement. I hope you're ready for the next episode. If anybody knows where that's from, hit me up because you get bonus points. Um, Yes, as a Mind Over Macros listener, you get first dibs. I've got a big announcement coming. It has to do with the next challenge, the October Neurotype Challenge. We are in the process of finishing up week four of the September challenge. And it has been, I'm just going to say it, it's been the best one yet. Even though we're not even fully finished, I haven't even picked the winner yet. But I can tell you that the engagement in the group, the engagement on the weekly calls, all of the feedback that I've gotten from my coaches, from the challenge participants, the mindset wins, the physical transformation, just four weeks. We're not even full We're not even finished the full four weeks. And already we're getting a ton of feedback from the challenge survey, from the metabolic assessments. Um, It's been amazing. And, And really that's the goal is we try to get better with each one. And there is a massive announcement coming next episode for the October challenge that is going to help you guys level up your game. And I just can't wait. So You should probably hit subscribe if you're not already. If you're just listening and you don't have your notifications on, you're missing out. You need to subscribe to the podcast so that you get notified on your phone when a new episode comes out. So Monday morning, when I release the next episode, you need to be tuned in so that way you can take action because I can assure you, and I am telling you, this is not a... This is not overly hyping anything up. This is not fake scarcity. This is legitimate. There will be an exclusive opportunity that will go very quickly. I already know this to be true. I'm not blowing smoke. If you don't believe me, you will see for yourself and then you'll be like, damn it, I probably should have just listened and jumped in. So turn your notifications on, subscribe to the podcast. On Monday, you're going to want to listen and jump in on this opportunity. And as always, guys, if you enjoy the content, if you are enjoying the show, if there's a specific episode that resonates with you, I always love to hear about it. You can send me a DM directly on Instagram at coach underscore Mike underscore Milner. You can take a screenshot of the episode, post it to your stories. You can share the episode link with a friend or family member. And of course, you can leave a five-star rating and review on iTunes. I'm excited for the for the October challenge. I'm I'm thinking that it will be even better because we just continue to learn and grow. And that's all we expect out of you guys is to continue to learn and grow with us. So I'm excited for that. When the episode drops, you're going to want to spread the news. You're going to want to first take action for yourself and then share it with friends and family members, members that you care about because you'll be doing them a great service. Anyway, let's jump into the questions. Starting with number one, from, and, and by the way, guys, I post the podcast Q&A little question box on Instagram. I just throw it up on my stories. Every time I'm about to do a Q&A, I throw up the question box. So if you have something that you want me to talk about, that's the best place to do it. 
Um, just follow me and, and you'll see that on my stories whenever there's a Q&A episode. So the first question is, what is a realistic timeline for losing 75 pounds for somebody who has already lost 65 pounds in the past year? Now, this is a hyper-specific question. And as you guys know, if you've, listened, if you've been listening to me for any length of time, you know that I don't like to speak in generalities or make any kind of blanket statements because everybody's different. So I could take a thousand different people in this exact scenario. Let's say I've got a thousand individuals who have all lost 65 pounds in the past year and their timeline for losing another 75 pounds would be different for each and every one of them because that's human nature. We are all different. There's no definitive one answer. What I can say is it depends and I can explain some of the variables. First of all, where are you at right now? Because you could have been 400 pounds and lost 65 pounds and want to know, you know what it's going to take to lose another 75. You could be 300 pounds and have lost 65 pounds and want to know what it's going to look like. You could be 200 pounds, right? There's all of these different scenarios. It also depends on what you did to lose the 65 pounds. It depends on your diet history in general. It depends on your metabolic state. Depends on your lifestyle, your activity levels, your training, your sleep, your stress. All of these different variables will play a role. If we're taking all things equal and we're saying that in the most ideal circumstances, what does that look like? You know, somewhere in the range of a half a pound to a pound of body fat per week. Now, if you've already lost 65, I would maybe be a little bit more conservative maybe like a quarter of a pound um, to three quarters of a pound per week. But again, it really depends. And I hate to even try to set those expectations because it is so dependent on so many variables. Look, when we are working with individuals, we are working with clients. And we even did this for a lot of people in the challenge. We did a metabolic assessment, diet history, looked at activity, nutrition, lifestyle, all of these different variables. And we actually outlined a roadmap to set the expectation because we had all of the information. Right now, the only thing I'm working with is you've lost 65 pounds in the past year and you want to lose another 75 and you want to know how long that's going to take. So there's really not much information for me to work with. It's okay to set expectations when we have all of the variables, when we know your metabolic state, your diet history, your current nutrition, your current activity, your current stress, your personal preferences, your personality type. We have all of that stuff. We can set realistic expectations and then we can adjust accordingly based off of what's working and what's not. And the reason why I'm I'm such a big proponent of one-on-one coaching and the, the reason why I mention it all the time is because it's truly the most effective way to accomplish your goals sustainably without just guessing. Right? We get to remove all of the guesswork. We get to see specifically what works best for you and what your body responds to and set those expectations. And then we get to see firsthand if something needs to change or if we need to adjust our expectations or adjust our strategy or approach. It's just, it's so much more effective versus, uh, you know, hoping and praying that things will work out. I actually had a call with somebody today and She was like, yeah, well, I keep changing things every 12 weeks because nothing's working. I'm like, okay, well, why do you think that 
changing things every like what's going to be the difference maker that actually gets you to where you want to be you're just changing things and hoping that the next thing works like why hope why not know for sure right like why not be certain and that's really the clarity that that one-on-one coaching can provide cool you can jump from program to program and hope and pray but isn't it more effective to actually know to jump in and say all right here's my personality type here's my metabolic state here are my personal preferences. Here's the lifestyle that I'm living. Here are my non-negotiables. And now we know for sure what it's going to take to get to where you want to be. I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but I like the certainty of it versus guessing. So I apologize that I can't give you a more definitive answer and say, okay, it's going to take you exactly 87 weeks to reach another 75 pounds down. Um, I just can't do it. And, and it would be um, it would be wrong. It would be immoral of me to try to try to do that. So hopefully with that long-winded, nuanced answer, you can extract some value out of that to apply to yourself. Next question. After a cut, do you increase slowly or jump back up to maintenance calories? Um, This is a great question. This is something that was actually a similar question was asked on a previous Q&A episode. And the answer is, it depends on your goals. If you have a problem with gaining weight quicker Like if you want to make sure that when you're increasing calories that you don't want to see the scale go up or you want to minimize how much the scale goes up, then going slowly makes sense. Now, the drawback is that it's slower, right? So you have to naturally, it's longer period of time where you're increasing versus jumping straight back to maintenance. There will be the initial spike on the scale which will then even out, but that can be a little bit scary for a lot of people. So there's a give and take. If you jump right back to maintenance, it's quicker, right? You don't have to take as long to get back to maintenance, but there will be that initial spike on the scale, which sometimes can play with your mind and can throw you off mentally. And uh, you just have to know what you're getting into. So there's a give and take on both sides. If if minimizing the scale going up is the most important thing for you through that process, then going slow makes more sense. If you want to condense the time frame and you don't want to waste as much time going through the process, then going right back up to maintenance uh, and ripping the Band-Aid off can, can be more effective. Again, it depends. You have to know yourself. You have to know um, what's going to align with your mindset and, and act accordingly. Um, next question: What are the ways that you can transition someone from a Smith mach- from a Smith machine to traditional barbell use? Um, so this would just be kind of natural progression. And again, I think that I always looked at it from when I was doing more in-person training, hands-on training, and even writing programming. Um, right now that's not something that I do because I've got JK on my team who is a wizard and and mastermind with the programming. So I just let him, um, operate in his area of genius. But when I was more, you know, when I was on the floor with clients, when I was working with people, um, I always just went in a kind of natural progression. Like if we were doing something like squats, it was starting with body weight or bands. And then it was progressing to, um, you know, dumbbell goblet style, box squats, uh, and then empty barbell, and then adding some weight, right? So it was just kind of the natural progression. I think that with the Smith machine, same thing, you're getting used to the feeling of a barbell, uh, but it's providing 
a little more stability. So then taking somebody from that to an empty barbell makes a lot of sense. And then going from there. So um, as with any progression, as with any exercise, you should always know what your progressions and regressions are for each client um, and make sure that they're comfortable and confident in the movement. There will be certain personality types like a type three, where they like to know the linear logical progression of movements. So you can tell them in advance, like we're going to do this block with goblet squats. Then we're going to do the next block with, you know, back squats. Then we're going to do the next block with, um, you know, front squat and just giving them kind of the, the progression of things in terms of not only weights, but movement patterns, they need to feel in total control of the movement. So they want to master the form. They want to master technique and then you can start to progress. So if they're doing something like a Smith machine, they want to feel totally confident with that movement pattern. And then you can let them know, all right, after this, we're going to move to a barbell back squat, empty bar, get them feeling comf- comfortable with the movement pattern, and then starting to add weight. And again, there are certain personality types. If you're, if you're a three, that makes sense. But if you're a 1B, you're probably not going to need as much in terms of the um, technique mastery, more so just seeing how it's done and then emulating that and doing it um, for a one beat. That's more of a style. So that's another area where knowing personality type um, absolutely helps. All right. So we had another question, which was, what are your thoughts on carb cycling? And this could be like a whole episode. I should probably do a whole episode on carb cycling. Anyway, for those of you that don't know, carb cycling um, often is referred to where you have certain days that are high carb and certain days that are low carb. Uh, so an example and a common um, practice is on my training days, I'm going to have higher carbs. On my non-training days, I'm going to have lower carbs. And you kind of cycle between higher and lower days. There's different variations of carb cycling. Um, I've seen it done in a number of different ways. And I've done it for myself a number of different ways, but just to keep things simple and consistent, that's what we're talking about here. My thoughts are, it's not magical. It doesn't give you any sort of inherent advantage other than if it fits your schedule and it helps you to stay more consistent. That's really it. Um, That's the bottom line. I know for a lot of people, they enjoy doing it that way. There's a psychological component to training hard and having a higher carb day even though there's not necessarily a physiological advantage. Because if you think about the recovery process, the recovery process happens more, you know, 24, 48, 72 hours. And then even if you zoom out and think about your whole week of recovery, that's really what matters. It's like, what are we doing on a, you know, when we kind of zoom out and look at the big picture. So as long as you're eating enough to support recovery in general, overall, you're fine. But there can be a psychological advantage to saying, you know what, I'm, lifting heavy, I'm pushing myself, and I have that aligned with my higher carb days. And then on the days where you're not as active, you can sometimes play mind games with yourself. And you're like, oh, man, I'm not doing any, you know, training today. I'm not strength training. Should I really be eating this much? And sometimes we play that mental game with ourselves. So if you have some kind of carb cycling in place, and it makes sense for your consistency, uh, for your mental well-being, right? Um, then sure, it can be a great tool, but it's just one tool in the toolbox. For some people, it doesn't work very well. For some people, it's just too complicated or 
Um, it, it confuses them or it stresses them out or whatever. Uh, there's sometimes it's just not effective for, for an individual and that's totally fine too. Like I said, there's no real inherent advantage other than it can help with consistency. It can also help like if you align things with your schedule. So for me personally, I like to cycle where I have higher calories over the weekend. Weekends are typically more flexible for me and I like to align things that way. So you can use some form of carb cycling or calorie cycling that way to align with your schedule. But again, that comes back to consistency. That's it. If you are using it as a tool to be more consistent, I'm all for it. If you think that you have to do it because of some magical physiological advantage, well, that's a little bit misguided. So those are my thoughts. And then there was one question that was not um, put into the question box, but it was a, a DM and the person that sent me that message uh, mentioned that if I wanted to talk about it on the podcast, I could. So I'm just going to briefly mention something because um, she was doing a Matador protocol. And it, for those of you that don't know, Matador protocol is basically alternating between maintenance and an aggressive deficit. Um, so you're taking two weeks. Well, the way that the study was done was two weeks at maintenance and then two weeks at a 31% calorie deficit. And then back to maintenance, two weeks, back to the deficit, two weeks, and just alternating two and two like that. I've implemented the Matador approach with different you know, structure where some people can do really well with two weeks at maintenance and one week at the deficit. Some people can do one and one. Other people can do the opposite, one week at maintenance and two weeks at the deficit. There's plenty of different ways and it doesn't have to be a week at a time. You can adjust for days. So you can take that concept and mold it however you'd like. Again, thinking from the perspective of consistency and, and sustainability. So the question was with this in particular person, with this particular person, um, she was doing the matador approach. And during her maintenance weeks, she did the two weeks at maintenance and was actually getting leaner and losing body fat. And she wanted to know if she should stay at maintenance or if she should go to the deficit weeks as planned. And it's a great question. And my belief is always, if something's working, don't try to fix it, right? If it's not broke, don't fix it. Ride that out. Because here's the thing, isn't it more fun to be eating what you thought was maintenance and then you find out that's actually what you need to lose body fat and your body's responding really well and you're feeling great and you're getting leaner. Why take more food away unnecessarily? So I'm always of the belief, if something is working, why would we make it more complicated on ourselves? Let's just ride that out. And she could even increase calories to try and get closer to her true maintenance and then go into a deficit. But for me, it's like, let's ride out what's working. I, you know, personally, if that were me, I would have kept going with whatever that projected maintenance was that was improving body composition. And then once I hit a little bit of a wall or a plateau, I would have increased to go to mate to go to the true maintenance because if you're losing body fat and getting leaner, that's not maintenance. So I would increase to get to true maintenance and then allow things to stabilize there and then go into the deficit without having to be as aggressive because now your maintenance is a lot higher than you thought it was. And that's a beautiful place to be. So 
As always, everything is modifiable for the individual. It's all based on what's working for you. It's, you know, rather than playing these, these projection games or uh, these hypotheticals like, oh, I did this body fat scan and it said my RMR was this. And then I did this calculation and it said my total daily energy expenditure is this. Like, screw the guessing game. It's, it's just you're throwing shit at the wall and hoping it sticks. Let's just find out what works best for you, right? Real life data is way better than hypotheticals, than saying, oh, in theory, this is what this calculator is telling me. No, let's find out what your body is telling you. Let's find out what's actually working for you. Let's stop playing the guessing game and just implement, take action, see what's working, see what helps you feel your best, see what helps you stay more consistent, see what's actually sustainable for you and do it that way. All right. That's it. I'm going to get off my soapbox now. Hopefully this was helpful, guys. As always, let me know what other questions you have. Follow me on Instagram. Drop questions when I um, post to my stories with the Q&A box. And stay tuned for the next episode because I've got a big announcement that I'm super excited. Challenge is starting soon. You will hear all about it. You should be in our Facebook group. You should be on my email list. You should be following me on Instagram. You should friend request me on Facebook. You don't want to miss it. I'm telling you, you'll, you'll mark my words. I'm saying it. It's being recorded. This can't go anywhere. I'm telling you, you're going to want to hear it and take action. All right, guys, I will talk to you very soon.